everyone. Thank you for joining us. I am mom on Around the Generations. And tonight I am joined by Ariana and Levi. Hello, fellow generations. Hi. On Around the Generations tonight, we will be talking about navigating life after high school and what those experiences have meant for all of us. And then maybe gain some understanding and perspectives from the different generations. So I think the general consensus, guys, is that I was going to start by talking about my experiences. And part of it is I just don't like talking about myself or where I've been. And when I was in high school, the the thought or the idea is I wanted to move beyond. I didn't enjoy being there. So the first thing that I put in motion was the direction that I was going to pursue for a career. And I joined the Air Force. I left one day after I graduated high school and we graduated on a Sunday during those days. And I am currently not doing anything that I did in the military. So the, the, the intention of what I thought I was going to do is nowhere close to what I am doing these days. And then shortly thereafter, I got married and we began our family. And then I went to a technical or trade uh, program and by process of elimination on what I thought was available to me at the time. Did not know that I'd enjoy that career for as long as I did. But during that process, I've always had um, aspirations of learning different things and new things. So then I signed up to go to school and finish my bachelor's degree and just recently completed my master's. So that's kind of my walkthrough. Whoa. Well, I think you skipped some stuff. We need to go back. <laughs> Those are the cliff notes of what, uh, of what happened. But yes. <laughs> uh, first of all, I just want to establish, mom, you're part of like Generation X, right? Pretty traditionally. Traditionally. I don't know if you want to give out your birth year. But... I'm kind of on the cusp of two generations, so. Okay. So it was my understanding that, you know, you went and did your trade stuff and you stayed in that field for a long time. But if I recall, when I was younger, we would visit you like in a town an hour away as you were getting your bachelor's in engineering, was it? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, solicited the transportation of dad so that <laughs> I could study for tests. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys got to play in playrooms and all sorts of good stuff while you waited for me to complete uh, some of the coursework. But yeah, I was an hour away. You know, I actually don't know a whole lot about that part of your education and your life because, like I said, I was very young. I can't remember, like, what, six maybe or eight? Yeah, around there. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember going to that big town, that college town an hour away and just being like, let's visit mom. And <laughs> why why engineering? Like, that's so different from the career path that you chose and continue to stay on. Oh, well, that's probably pretty boring. <laughs> really? <laughs> Is it ever boring, though? Like, that's a pretty significant part, I think, of your educational experience is like, you went and you did your thing and then just up and decided to get a bachelor's degree, kind of a, a very non-traditional route. It was a non-traditional route. And I, I don't want this to be about me or the direction that I took. So it's, <laughs> you got to know your experience. I wish I could uh, 
pass this topic on to one of you guys to talk about what <laughs> what you guys are going through because you're more close to uh, having ended your high school uh, years. So, <laughs> Ariana, you're trying to get information. I know I understand. It's in- <laughs> I think it's important to the story. Like the college experience isn't the same for everyone, you know. Well, right. I was a non-traditional student all of the years that I went to college. That that's the the bottom line. I think you know the best way that I can probably answer that question for you is that. I truly believe I am a lifelong learner. I love to understand things. And why I chose engineering was I thought that would lead me into a path of gaining experience and knowledge that would help me in the future. Did it? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's good. You used your degree. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) You used your degree, which is uh, something not, not many people can say they can do. But so I'll... I'll go next by way of chronological order. So yeah, I graduated high school in 2014, and like many people my age, and I feel like a lot of high school students even now today, didn't really know precisely what I wanted to do with my life. I was going to do an apprenticeship, because I thought accounting was my route, but uh, an accounting future was not for me. So. I ended up going to the local community college and got my associate's degree in 2016, 20, yeah, 2016. I know it was a year and a half and you enrolled January of 2015. Yep, that holds up. So anyway, got my associate's degree, um, had a better idea of kind of the direction I wanted to go with my life. Um, Just didn't know where I wanted to go yet. So took a gap year, figured out where I wanted to go and eventually settled uh, settled on a university that was in-state, but four hours away from home, so a little further away, but not, you know, unreasonably far away, and uh, pursued my bachelor's degree in exercise science with a minor in sports medicine, um, and recently completed that program right before COVID. So that was graduated spring, you know, all semester of 2019. So it was right before the onset of COVID in March of 2020. Luckily, I didn't end up missing out on a bunch of credits or anything like that, or I'm sure there was a lot of friends that uh, uh, struggled that semester just because of how everything radically shifted in such a short period of time. Um, so that was an interesting uh, debacle as as everything kind of hit, you know, right when COVID hit. It was very interesting to see some of my classmates, you know, they ended up getting like a month of no classes because they were trying to move everything digitally and it just, the infrastructure wasn't there to support it or right. you know, for one reason or another, it was just, it was just a big struggle. But fast forward now, I am now living in Colorado and uh, I am still working for the company that uh, I was working for when I was going through college as a part-time employee and I'm now a full-time employee and have been for just over three years now. Uh, it's been it's been a great opportunity, and kind of like on the same theme of you, Mom, I am a continuous learner, and I believe in continuous education and and developing yourself over time. So, really, I think that's what what it should boil down to is just continuing to learn and and push the boundaries of what you know and your perceptions. Yeah, and I want to revisit a couple things on your story, Levi, because I can relate to at the 
the university level that I was at and completing my graduate degree. But first, I want to have Ariana kind of talk about her scenario. Well, I graduated high school in 2018, so I'm four years younger than the eldest over there. I graduated with my high school degree the same time as my Associates of Arts degree. I went to the same community college that Levi did, and I did it currently, like while I was in high school. And the idea was that it would get me a jump on a four-year program if I so chose to do that after high school. But the problem was that I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do. You know, by the time my junior and senior year came around, I was not looking for colleges, I was not looking for scholarships, and I didn't know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. So I took a gap year. I think, Levi, you also took a gap semester or something like that. Took a semester off after high school and then a gap year after my associates. Yeah. So I just want to say that we're fairly fortunate from like what I understand when I talk to my peers that our parents allowed us to take a gap year (laughs) because I know some kids my age are not that fortunate and their parents demand they go to university right after high school. So yeah, I took a gap year and I ended up going to a university in state that was two hours away. And I'm actually still in that university. I'm in my senior year after two and a half years now, and I'll be graduating next semester. In what area, Ariana? Uh, I'm majoring in graphic design with a minor in marketing. Very good. So one thing that I think both of you touched on was taking a gap year. And Levi, I recall coming to that conclusion or that decision your senior year because you were in contention for presidential scholarships at several different universities. I distinctly remember the conversation. It was right before you were taking a senior trip uh, for fine arts I feel like there was this burden that was on your shoulders and an expectation from community members regarding you making a decision or coming to a conclusion on announcing where you were going to pick up after high school and at least having the conversation to not make a decision and take some time off was such a relief when when we finally uh, went through that. Do you recall what that felt like or going through that at all? You know, I, d- I don't recall the specific conversation, but I do I do remember just kind of ultimately deciding, you know, I wasn't ready to make a decision to go anywhere yet because it, nothing had impressed upon me enough to to really warrant my time and my money. So, yeah, you you said it, like, I was in contention for some, you know, high-class scholarships, but at the same time, I was like, am I really prepared to move this far away and spend this many thousands of dollars right out of high school? And I don't think I I was. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of high schoolers are. Um, I think it's really pushed upon them to, you know, go to this prestigious four-year university and dive right into your your gen eds or you know you you've heard the conversation many times Ariana. i've i'm sure you've you've experienced that but i truly don't think we should be having high school students go straight into college i think for a lot of people it seems like the next logical step but in reality learning how to be a functioning member of society should take priority over that because at the age of 18 I can probably 
let's see, in my close circle right after high school, I can probably count, I probably need more than my two hands to count how many people are not in the same field that they went into right after high school, whether that be the same program or, you know, whatever. Sure. I can tell you a lot of a lot of stories where people went to college, they paid the money, and they are not doing what their program has qualified them to do. I, I'm one of them right now. I'm a spitting example of that. So just just kind of my two cents on that, really. I don't, like I said, I don't recall a specific conversation, but I do remember just kind of having that sigh of relief, so to speak, when I decided to not go to college right away. Um, I wanted to jump off of that and kind of say, if there's like anyone listening in like the younger generation who's like maybe getting ready to graduate high school, it needs to be said that it's okay to not go to college. It's okay to take this gap year. It's okay to go to trade school. It's okay to not go to trade school. I don't think that's really accepted in our culture very much. I would agree with that. So not just to the younger audience, but if there's any parents out there listening, if you have a, a child who's coming up on their junior year or senior year and they don't really know what they want to do. That's okay. I mean, you should support them and either kind of help transition them to the quote-unquote adult life by, you know, maybe allowing them to live in your home, but maybe charging a small amount of rent, you know, just to kind of get them used to that because I was not used to that. I mean, I lived at home, but mommy didn't charge me rent, which thank you. Um <laughs> Yeah, I save so much money. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, you can help prepare your child for the real life by charging them just, you know, a monthly expense, whatever it ends up being. It could be an arbitrary 100 bucks, let's just say. And that forces them to have some sort of income, right? So if they don't know what to do, they better have some sort of income. They can't just be living for free and eating for free. I think I need to qualify that. Uh, the The belief in our house was that if you were working and or pursuing uh, school, then I wasn't interested in trying to deplete your financial resources in order to survive. Right. And I was just speaking arbitrarily in, in dollar amounts or whatever. But, you know, if if you feel like your child is just whole humming and not really trying, maybe it's time to get on them a little bit and, you know, just just <laughs> kind of help push them out of the nest, so to speak. Give them an ultimatum. You know, it's, it's this or that. You decide. Here's the deadline. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I would like to add to that just a little bit because Levi and Ariana, you have two other siblings that are younger than you. And there, there's a couple things that come to mind in this, and, and I might talk in circles here just a little bit, but it was interesting because your younger brother, uh, who is 19, is in a, a tech school. He took some time off. Uh, he graduated in 2020, which was a weird year for graduation for those that graduated during that year. Yeah, very much. Still have the video. <laughs> the video, the artificial graduation. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was only him walking across the stage in an empty room, and then he shook hands with the parents. Yeah, the parent had to deliver the diploma or the folder of the diploma, 
And I think the person responsible for recording and compiling the virtual graduation was way more enthusiastic than your dad and I were. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's a bad thing, but... (laughs) I'm like... Oh, this is evidently a big deal. Okay. Oh, Trey. <laughs> but for him, aside from some other challenges that we've had in in raising him, it's been interesting because the conversation then became to have employment. You know, you need employment. And he successfully attained employment and worked his way through that. That's a whole other story. I laugh hysterically on this. Ariana knows this. Oh, she's so disgusted by it. (laughs) He worked for a fast food restaurant and he loves money and he needs to make a lot of it because his lifestyle definitely (laughs) is going to require it. I think Ariana, you were at the time too. This was during your, your gap time. Uh, You worked really hard. Can I say what you were doing at the time? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Ariana was working as a pharmacy technician, and the company had put her through some training, and then she was able to make higher than... Higher than minimum wage. A little bit higher than minimum wage. And here her brother comes in working for a fast food restaurant and successfully negotiates a higher base salary. And then he would come home and declare, I got another raise today. Your dad and I would kind of look at him like, what? You're joking, right? No, I did. I got another nickel or another 10 cent or 15 cent raise. Well, you would look at him in such disgust and you're like, what is going on? (laughs) Come to find out what he identified was a sheet of paper at his work that listed out if you learned this skill, it was worth X amount per hour. So 10 cents if you know this skill or that skill, etc. So he systematically worked through that list. You know, he would ask his manager, hey, can I learn how to do this? And as soon as he completed it, he went to him and said, now I know how to do this. It's worth 15 more cents. And sure enough, they would give it to him. He systematically worked through that because he was about making more per hour. And then there came a time where he decided that he was interested in maybe pursuing something else. He interviewed for a technician job and they offered him less than what they were advertising, or at least that's the perception of what came across. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. And then two weeks later, they called him back and offered him that. In the meantime, he's uh, starting his own business with a, a friend of his who is his same age. Uh, he decides that, you know, he should probably go to college and decided on the tech school. And in talking with him, he would say, gosh, I just really want to make a go at this business. And my comment to him was, there is nothing in the rule book that says you need this or that as far as uh, an education is concerned. I think it's important, but there's far more things that you can learn being out in the world and interacting with people and running your own business than looking at a book and uh, reading about theory. So I call it a side hustle. He may have referred to it as a side hustle. Now it's his business partner and it's a legitimate business. I just, I kind of chuckle at that because here, here he's between a rock and a hard place. He does not have the financial resources to step out and solely run the business. His business partner has pressures on him not to step away from college because that's what his parents want. 
So I find that interesting. And I just, I encourage him to, you know, find his own path and, you know, figure it out. We can talk about the pharmacy biz in another podcast if you want. (laughs) (laughs) This brings about one of my favorite quotes um, from David Goggins. And uh, I don't remember what chapter it is. It was when he was visiting a university and all these gurus and all these so-called experts were talking about mentality and things like that. And he stands up and says, there's something to be said about living it versus, you know, talking about the theories and, and everything that's written in text versus actually experiencing it. Yeah, I think it was in California, like at Stanford. Some prestigious university. It was on pain, the perception of pain, and the level that we're able to uh, endure. Oh, yeah. Goggins just did not agree with the talk of theory in it because of his own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, it's it's funny. There seems to be some sort of reoccurring theme amongst uh, your children, Mom. And that is we all take some time away from education after high school. Mm-hmm. A formal education, I should say. Yeah. And so I want to circle back to that. And then I'll share a little bit more about my experiences. But one thing that I came across, you know, probably six or seven years ago, there is more pressure for high schoolers to make a decision on where they're going after high school as far as universities are concerned uh, prior to senior years and, and moved from junior years. And now there's more pressure on sophomores to make that decision, including lowering the time frame for when the ACT or the SAT is taken. Instead of completing it your senior year or the end of your junior year, there's now pressure to complete that sooner so that those decisions can be made. I haven't quite figured out why that's happened. Maybe that's gone away with. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, Everyone always talks about college, college, college. Like as soon as like, honestly, for me, it was eighth grade because I took a high school class in eighth grade. And like, now this is going to go in your high school transcript, you guys. And colleges (laughs) are going to look at that. Oh, yeah. And everything in high school is just revolved around college. And then freshman year, you're like, this is the real deal, guys. (laughs) Everything from here on out matters. And then it was like, ACT is next year. Better start taking those summer ACT prep classes. And then the ACT will send your score. Like you can write in. Uh, which colleges you want to send your score to and automatically assumes that you want to go to college and then it's like oh you better start doing scholarships your senior year and everything just in high school revolves around college yeah i i 100 agree with that statement <laughs> it's crazy because everybody always talks about and there's memes on this it's like mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell but i still can't figure out how to balance my checkbook <laughs> you know it's kind of funny i just realized high school prepares you for college high school does not prepare you for the real world Well, see, this could be a very interesting topic, you guys, because when you look at institutional education, is it beneficial when you start thinking about how we're preparing? Because right now, it seems like we're educating to fulfill the requirements placed on those institutions from state and federal agencies, if that makes sense. You mean like the state is like, give this many uh, students, otherwise we won't fund you. Nah, maybe more like part of the No Child Left Behind Act. I think that's primarily where this stems from in, you know, test taking and meeting minimum requirements. 
in, in the federal funding associated with it. I, I, I'm not well-versed in it, but it seems like when I talk with people, the idea is we're teaching children from a, from elementary school on up on how to pass a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to memorize answers for a test or you know something along those lines. And I'm sure there's some bigger picture kind of thing going on behind the scenes maybe. You're right. School, I feel like, doesn't teach you how to critically think. Mm-hmm. Think critically. So, like, if you were given a problem, how how would you find a solution to that problem? Or let's go even as far to say in math, like, let's say you have to find the solution to this problem and you go about it one way when really the teacher wanted you to do it this way, but you still got the same correct answer. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what is that teaching us? It's teaching us how to funnel into a systemized way of doing things that may, may or may not be the best way. And I think that dulls a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So circling back, when you two took your gap years, the only thing I can equate it to is I recall being heavily criticized by probably family members, uh, first and foremost, on approaching life backwards. I always thought that was kind of an interesting take on the life journey that I had in that I was married very young, according to today's standards, and chose to start my family and then pursued different educational avenues throughout those years. Whereas maybe that's the perception currently to get an education first, get your career going first, and then start your family, which I think folds into having families and children later in life rather than in your early 20s. So when you guys took your gap years or your gap months, I'm wondering what your perception is on how people viewed the decision that you made to take some time off without going directly into college. Yeah, so, I mean, I remember right away when it was kind of going on, people were like, they were like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, so and if I would see somebody out in the community and they'd be like, oh, what's the next thing or what's the next, you know, next step? And it was either this or that sometimes. And and now I have a lot of peers and a lot of people who are slightly younger than me, more so Ariana's age even people who are older than me and people in in my new community saying, gosh, that's, that's a pretty good decision on your part to not jump in right away, take out any student loans or dump, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars into going into a university right away after high school, like actually taking a step back and trying to sort some things out on my end before diving headfirst into an undergrad was a smart thing. And I've been getting a lot of people telling me that was a smart thing to do. I don't know. It's, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. So, Levi, when you say a lot of people are telling you it was a smart thing, who is saying that? Do you feel that it's those that are in your age group? Or do you feel that that's uh, maybe people that are your parents' age or older or educators? Yeah, you know, it's... I think it's not specifically focused on one age group or anything like that. It's more so I'm not getting, oh, well, why didn't you go to college right away? 
I'm not getting that. It's the absence of that. Mm-hmm. So really, that's how I view it as, you know, I tell some of my coworkers my story, and I work with a variety of age groups, some all the way down to 16, 17 years old in my in my area, all the way up to, you know, late 40s, 50s, you know, that kind of age group. So I tell people, you know, my, my cliff notes of my story, and they're like, yeah, that's... It's kind of a good idea. Just wait after high school. <laughs> so, I mean, I, like I said, it it probably goes back to not hearing why didn't you go to college right away, versus oh yeah, that's kind of it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So many people I work with, you know, they're either slightly younger than me or significantly younger than me, meaning still in high school. They don't know what they want to do, and so I tell them my story, whether it has a positive impact or not. Right. I'd rather have it be positive. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ariana? I've had similar experiences. Um, honestly, the reaction is either neutral or positive. I don't remember any negative judgment coming from anyone. Generally, my freshman year, like I said, I was kind of met with some surprise as some of my peers, they said their parents wouldn't let them do that. And usually, I think it was because their parents were paying for the education. But yeah, generally, neutral responses and not much judgment and i think we have to think about like the the generational causation of like post high school education and it, it kind of comes from like a time when several generations ago going to college was the next logical move you know people kind of carried that mentality down the generations and were like yeah go to college go to college until it hit a point where it wasn't very beneficial to do so where do you think that the thought is it's not beneficial to do so? Um, because it's so expensive now. It is significantly more expensive, especially relative to like the average income. Oftentimes, people are unable to find a job in that field of study. I remember going to community college, where I actually first started critically thinking, <laughs> and maybe even a little bit in high school. Um they would kind of demonstrate, they would show us like these studies about why not going for a bachelor's or even a master's wasn't the smartest idea. Because uh, I think the main argument was that we need X amount of people in this job, like blue collar, white collar, we need X amount of people in this and this. And the amount of people we need as technicians and service workers is like the largest segment. And then people who need an education with like a bachelor's degree you know, we need slightly less of those. And then people that we need in the field of, like, doctors, even less so than that. But the problem is that, like, the idea of going to college and going to college was, like, so appealing, where, like, you invest into your, yourself and your education, and you get a higher-paying job. Mm-hmm. But because of, like, supply and demand, that's no longer the case. Like, we've got so many people with doctorate degrees, they're just not as valuable. Hmm. And, like, in the pharmacy world... I know that's true for sure, because I've heard the pharmacists that I work with talk about in certain areas, being a pharmacist just isn't very valuable because there's just so many pharmacists. So it's just oversaturation at this point is kind of what you're getting to. Right. Okay. So because I don't know that I would agree with all those statements. Number one, is it a perception that it's saturated to find employment in the field that you went to school for, especially for PharmD? Or is it truly because the entire nation is saturated 
with those that are qualified to fill prescriptions? Do you think it's a regional thing or do you think it's truly is an oversaturation? Because I have a thought on that. I, I think it's truly oversaturation because like my coworkers talking about like a case in Texas and then here in Minnesota where we live, um, we're always short staff technicians. We are never short staff pharmacists. There's like plenty of pharmacists to go around. And oftentimes they end up coming to work like clocked in as a technician. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. And basically doing work that they're overqualified for. Right. I, I would agree with you there. I think there is a, a trend in being overqualified for the work that is being asked of you. And whether it's because it stems from the pursuit of chronically higher education or if it's because there aren't enough qualified and trained individuals in those tiered roles, if that makes sense. I mean, I saw it in my background and my line of work became oversaturated at different periods uh, of my 25 year stint and other times there was a high demand and that rolled into whether or not programs in technical or collegiate institutions were spitting out or generating enough individuals from that program to populate the workforce. So we're kind of going into another topic because I think this is interesting. I'd love to visit with you guys on it. Is this idea of a great resignation arising from this pandemic? Is this related to baby boomers retiring or is this something different? No, it's more related to what's kind of come out of the the pandemic and not having enough workers in the workforce to be able to sustain businesses. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it kind of comes from this dilemma that we're in and whether you want to talk conspiracy theories or not, um, we're we're in a situation where people are choosing not to work, (laughs) essentially, and what that means. Uh, And I don't want to go into it here because I have a couple different thoughts and viewpoints and perspectives on that. But I just I really want to focus on life after high school. And and I think we've talked about our own journeys, Uh, me being a generation older than you two. I grew up knowing one thing and my thought process on it has definitely evolved over the years. I don't necessarily agree with not continuing to pursue education, but education can be sought in self-discovery as well, rather than through an institutional-based platform. Right. I feel like a truly motivated person, not even motivated, just curious, could learn a lot about the world and a lot about a topic with just a simple library card. (laughs) It reminds me of the scene from Goodwill Hunting. Which one? Um, so there's a scene where I can't remember, but like this guy, this hotshot was, I think he was trying to pick up chicks in the bar. <laughs> and um, I know exactly which scene. He's like reciting some really smart guy's textbook or whatever. Uh, I just remember the movie and it has Matt Damon. And then Matt Damon's coming along and he talks really fast and is like, the funny thing is you dropped like several grand on an education that you could have gotten for like 350 and late fees at the library. Yes. <laughs> Do you like apples? 
<laughs> I do remember that scene. Uh, that script was was, uh, was really good. Well written. True work of art. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy hearing the compilation of that and uh, how they pretty much held out for the right factors to to come into play for them to be able to uh, be in that movie. So yeah, Goodwill Hunting. That's a that's a great movie. Highly recommend for anyone listening if you haven't seen it. Talking about movies, I think there's several that came from the years that I was growing up in my generation. I've said, hey, have you guys seen this movie or seen that movie? Oh, that's a classic. You guys have to see it. <laughs> and I I laugh at it because I think my parents said the same thing. And I don't know that it's relevant because the movies that came out when I was in my 20s or younger were more associated with that time period. Mm-hmm. And so having you guys see that same movie doesn't have the same impact, if that makes sense. It's just, it's no different than if I were to watch a classic from the 1950s. It doesn't apply to you. It it doesn't apply to me. So I, I think that's interesting because your dad and I, you know, we, we get chuckles talking about different movies or I love scenes. I, I have a tendency, especially when I get tired, to start doing the the one-liners in movies, and then I'll ask if people know what the reference is. Yeah. Half the time people don't, but I almost have to act it out. And You know, it's interesting because movies that like we can't relate to because it's for a different generation, I think they offer good learning opportunities because one of my favorite things about watching movies from, like, the 80s or the 50s or the 30s even is kind of learning about the context and you know how they made the movie and what exactly was the economic situation at the time so for example the original king kong from 1940 something i'll have to look it up jamie pull that up (laughs) no that took place yeah i'm gonna pull it up 1933 i believe that came from you know the great depression and the plot kind of revolves around the fact that the pretty blonde woman was really poor and kind of needed the money for the film. So Yeah, the original King Kong, 1933, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Must be a good movie. Oh, must be then. It was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> did you say that the actress did the film because she needed money or the script was written? Well, no, no, not, not like in real life. The movie is about making a movie about King Kong. Oh, I don't know if you remember the plot at all. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. It takes place during the Great Depression. Just put that there. How many years was the Great Depression? Hey, Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's kind of wrap it up here. Is there anything else that you guys want to touch on? I appreciate you commenting about, hey, if any parents are out there and they have uh, young adults, it's it's not about the pressures of pursuing the path that you pursued or uh, what society is deeming is acceptable because what you guys are defining as acceptable is different than what we defined as acceptable and continuing on down the line. Um, well, we took this prompt, navigating life after high school, into more of like an educational standpoint. But I just want to say, parents out there, 
teach your kids how to cook <laughs> and and do laundry, please. Life skills. I I was surprised actually. I have a story. It's my freshman year, and I went to go do laundry in the basement for the first time. I didn't think this was a real thing that happened because I know how to do laundry. But there's this girl on the phone with her mom <laughs> and a hand of the detergent and laundry in the other. And it's like, how do I do this? It happens. Apparently it happens. <laughs> I never lived in dorms, but I apparently it happens. Teach your kids how to cook, teach your kids how to clean, and change a tire. <laughs> and how to change a tire. We need to do uh, an episode on the skills you need when you leave the nest. I think we have that on the topic list. Um, so, in other words, you're going to say thanks, Mom, for teaching me how to do laundry, right? <laughs> thanks, Dad. Dad taught me how to cook. I just made sure the ingredients were in the house, right? Pretty much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my cooking equates to one meal a week mm -hmm. and it's usually generated through a crock pot <laughs> crock pots are meta don't underestimate the crock pot crock pots are awesome what can i say <laughs> <laughs> so i think really the overarching message kind of boils down to it's your kid's life they need to live it but at the same time you're the parent and you need to be supportive of them mm -hmm. because at the end of the day relationships matter your your child remembers how how you interact with them as a young adult and it should be in a supportive and coaching manner in my opinion that's just hearing hearing different viewpoints from multiple perspectives across different cultures within the united states mm -hmm. so there's that yeah and so what we hope to continue in conversation is uh possibly having guests on this podcast uh, to talk about different uh, topics that are relevant uh, for them the main goal if you haven't figured out is, is to just have these conversation i think this is unique that it happens to be family members that are participating in this but i think levi you said it best uh, when we were talking about developing this program is just find people, find people that you can communicate with and hear the different perspectives. Maybe try not to pass judgment on somebody because they think a certain way or they don't think the same way that you do. So there's a whole world of perspectives out there. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has the same viewpoint as you. And until you walk Oh man, this is so cliche. Until you walk a mile in their shoes, mm -hmm. until you understand somebody else's viewpoint, you know whatever message you're trying to portray has less of an impact. Try to gather other people's perspectives as much as you can mm -hmm. through conversation and listening. Yeah, that's exactly what this podcast was about. Okay, well, until next time, thank you for joining us on Around the Generations. You can always reach us by email at aroundthegenerations at gmail.com. And if you would like to follow Levi, he is on Instagram at the underscore white Asian. And Ariana is located on YouTube and through Facebook with Sipla Design. Again, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.